Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, with you, as always, your host for today's podcast. And today's podcast is a slightly different one. And the reason why I say that is because I've got a very good friend, a friend of Lace, and a good friend of me too, on the podcast to talk about the HR press. We uh, work with an organisation called PR and HR, and I've got the lovely Kay Phelps from PR and HR. Hello, Kay. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you very much for having me here. It's lovely to have you on. So we wanted to talk, have a little bit of a chat about what the HR press are talking about. So we at Lace Partners, of course, get asked to comment on a whole range of different topics and subjects. And of course, part of it we cover on this podcast. We also write blog content. We run events, all of that sort of stuff. But we're asked to comment on things in the press. And you've recently written a white paper on a bit of an analysis on what's been talked about over the last year or so, which I think is quite fascinating because there's some comparisons with previous years as well. So what I wanted to do today is just kind of dig into that a little bit more. But before we do that, of course, it would be completely remiss of me for those people who perhaps don't know who you are to introduce yourself. So are you all right to just say a few words about what you do and also for the company as well, PR in HR? Sure. So my background, it makes me laugh, but it actually started with a milkman. I... Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> this is a different kind of podcast. <laughs> Go on. I actually started in PR when I was very young and worked in a Yeovil or a Somerset PR agency. And one of their clients was a local dairy. And my whole thing, which has stuck with me throughout my career, is to get kind of stuck into things. So with this dairy, I asked if I could go and go and on one of the milk rounds. So I had to get up super early, pitch black, very cold. Yeah, I loved it because I understood what the dairy was all about. And I understood the milk kind of the, you know, everything that was going on there so much better because I got involved. And and then my next job in PR was actually in London. And I worked in the with the Institute of Motorcycling, promoting motorcycling. So my thing was to learn how to ride a motorcycle. And I got my license and things. So I just love getting stuck in and that still happens today. I, uh, uh, about 28 years ago, a very, very long time ago, I had my first child and started to think that the traveling distance I was making with the work then was crazy. And I went freelance. And that employer actually put me in touch with a great client of theirs, which was a HR and software company. And it completely changed the shape of you know where I was going to in the world. That company um, got acquired by Microsoft a couple of years later. But they were a fab bunch of people. And you know I kept in touch with a whole bunch of them. And, and then actually they started referring me. So most of my clients became PR and HR related really quickly after that. So it was it was a great start and it's completely shaped where I've got to now. Lovely. And where you've got to now is obviously PR and HR. So tell us just a quick sort of minute on what you guys do. 
So we specialize in promoting companies that want to get heard by HR people. So it's a really, really noisy market. And there's a lot of discussions and a lot of topics to be talked about. So we help our clients get noticed and raise awareness of them in that market. But it's absolutely essential to us that we have experts and expertise. It's very hard, for instance, just to talk about a product. So a piece of tech, for instance, we need experts who know the issues. And then we can work with that. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk, let's delve into this report, actually. First and foremost, actually, what I wanted to do is just ask you why you originally decided, because this isn't the first iteration, is it? You've done previous reports. What was the kind of motivation behind taking a look at the whole HR media landscape, if you like? It was it was actually fantastic. It ha- happened during COVID. So it was kind of one of those kind of we didn't know it was going to be inspirational, but it turned out to be really good during COVID. And we started because we work with the HR media all the time. We understand it and we kind of get what's going on. But we didn't have anything factual. You know, it was all stuff that we'd got in our heads and understood that way. But by analyzing at that point, it was seven key HR publications, over 2000 articles. We were able to really see what was going on in organizations at that time. And it provided just such a great snapshot of organizational issues. And what we didn't realize is so although it gave us some really great data and analysis of the market, what we didn't realize is it was going to be so useful to our clients and prospective clients because it helped them understand. It gave them a snapshot of organizational issues and what HR people are really struggling with. Yeah. So let's delve into some of that, actually, because it's quite interesting. I certainly found it very, very fascinating. HR's most discussed topics. I'll just do the top three because, of course, people can download the report. They can get access to it from you. But employer regulations in at 17.4 percent, talent at 16.8 percent, pay at 14.7. I'll go down one more. Uh, Health and well-being as well at 13 0.3% of that's the percentage of articles or the topics that are being featured. What was really what I found fascinating was the bits at the bottom as well. So you had internal communication, 0.3% of those kind of articles, PR bits being featured, employer branding at 1.1% and human capital at 1.4%. I was quite surprised that was there anything from your perspective that surprised you from the report? Not particularly, because it kind of it just confirmed our, our beliefs already and our understanding. So it was great to put data behind it. So no particular surprises from our perspective. But on the point of employer branding, for instance, is that actually it wouldn't be high up the agenda on the media's. It wouldn't be high on the media's agenda because it's not an issue. It's it's something that's discussed. But until it gets a headline news problem or bad news story, then it's not really going to get into the news. The news is so focused on paramount issues that are happening right now. You can see why pay, health and well-being, those are all going to be supersede that by a long mile. Yeah, I I thought that was really, really interesting. And from my perspective, when I was thinking about those kind of topics, my mind immediately thinks to, you know, we talk to chief people officers, group HR directors, senior HR professionals all the time about the challenges they have. Of course, we released last year our One Big Thing report, in which case, in which employee value proposition was one of the top things that CPOs are thinking about at the moment. But I guess in terms and and employer branding is sits within that 
general sphere of topic sphere but i guess from a news perspective it's not some it may be something that's critical thinking internally within a business but in terms of what externally is exciting the hr market and journalists particularly perhaps less so yeah i think there's two things there one of them is very much that employer branding evps etc etc employer community employee communications will be talked about but probably more in features than in news articles and this report is all about news as opposed to features but yeah it really takes something if something is going wrong with employer branding or if employee communications is having a really bad day and it's having you know some issues that need to be talked about then it would probably make the news but it probably would it's probably not going to be in the news unless unless you do some kind of survey or research on it that brings something you know fresh to mm. um, our minds okay so let's talk about the bits at the top then employee regulations or employer regulations i think you did you did a piece obviously in 2021 as well because you talk about this in the report and how that's kind of always featured so heavily i i, I just want to get your take on that and some thoughts as to why it features so heavily and it just continues to do so yeah, it takes up about 20% of the HR news articles generally. And I think it'll always be top of the UK HR agenda. And it's because there's so much legislation that employers need to know about. And um, so the new, the media reports on that is, is the big, and it could be anything from flex school working, sexual harassment, wage growth, health and safety tribunals. It's So it's all kind of the bread and butter functional building blocks of that employers need to know about. So it's not necessarily very exciting, but it's still very important if you're an HR person and you need to know about it. One thing that did kind of shine out to me was that 20% of this category was about new working arrangements. So you can see that mm. employers are still grappling with post-COVID, how employers work with their employees to and where they work from. Yeah, and we've certainly seen that again. Just referencing that report, one of the, the one big thing, one of the things that we've heard and seen, of course, is the hybrid working. We've had many events. We've spoken to many senior HR professionals who are still grappling with that. You know, how do we deal with the hybrid working question? Because there are so many different personas, so many different types of people that work within certain types of businesses that you can't simply apply a one size fits all, can you? You know, it's all very well if you've got a whole army of white collar workers and they all work within an office and then suddenly, you know, you can send them all home and apply a, an approach to hybrid working. But if you work in retail or manufacturing or things like that, it's just not feasible. We've talked about it so often, haven't we, at Lace? And it's just, it's just there is no one size fits all. But what I, what it does, you know, you do see negative stories about this whole issue as well with the the bosses who say that all staff have to come back, you know. And then you hear from other teams of people, or specifically HR, who are saying, no, we if we do that, we're going to have retention issues. People are going to leave because they don't want to be forced into something that doesn't suit their lifestyle now. Yeah, certainly. So let's look. I'm just looking at the data comparisons here. Were you surprised at the I mean, the rankings is, is interesting because health and well-being, particularly that one stuck out in 2021 as, you know, 12.6% of people. And then in your 2023 data, it's gone up to 13.3. So it's not a massive jump. But in terms of 
the importance level, obviously it drops down. So just any kind of thoughts on that from your perspective in terms of what the press are talking about? And this is what's really interesting about what this report is showing in the marketplace is that health and well-being is still a massively important subject to employers. And I can go into a few more details there. But what has superseded it is the issue of talent, so skills gaps, skills shortages, more recently redundancies, and also pay. Pay has been a huge topic yeah. of conversation because of cost of living, strikes, pay gaps. So those two subjects, talent and, and pay, have actually just risen above health and well-being, but health and well-being is still massively important. So yeah, I want to stick around and keep looking at this 2021 and the 2023 data comparisons. I'm just looking on the report itself. Now, perhaps there's a, an element of bias because obviously I work for Lace Partners and we are a boutique HR consultancy. Also, we support our customers with things like HR tech sort of consultancy. I find it interesting that tech and software was so low in terms of the news stories in 2021, just 2.7%. And in uh, it's now at 2.4% in 2023. I just wanted to get some thoughts on that it, because it's a, it's an issue that lots of, when we speak to people, things like the, the sheer proliferation of their tech stack that exists that can, you know, you've got employee experience software, you've got payroll tech issues, you've got app integrations. That's something that I was at an event last week that we hosted, which was a shared services. And they were talking about some of the challenges that they have with integrating multiple sort of platforms. So it is an issue that is being talked about. Again, is this similar to, I guess, the employer branding question from your perspective in terms of what the HR press is interested in? You're right. It is similar to that in that it's a foundational block of what's going on in, with the business. So what you'll find in the HR media is that they actually talk about tech a lot, but it doesn't usually make the news headlines. And it will be, you'll find it in feature articles. I mean, for instance, you know, we're just helping HRO today with the, the payroll tech, you know, support with Chris Kirby. So so it is talked about in articles and longer form articles uh, where they are providing guidance and support over issues. But at the end of the day, the HR media is always about issues. And if tech it specifically is the issue, then it might come become a headline. But otherwise, it's always going to be a supporting part of the story. Mm, but certainly. but it's out there. It's try, it's So for anyone who's trying to get HR or sorry, HR media coverage, it's you've got to work with the issues as opposed to the actual product or service itself. What's your kind of gut feel based on the data that you saw in 2021, how that came out, what you've seen this year? I know it's very, very difficult to predict, you know, the news in two years time. Who thought we'd be talking about cost of living crisis or even something that has impacted the energy crisis, such as, you know, war that's been going on, things like that. But do you still see, if we're doing this again, do you still see those titles being at the top? Do you think employer reg- employer regulations is always going to be an issue? Do you think talent and pay will continue to be an issue? Whereas some of those other bits, human capital, organisation design and employer branding will always stick towards that bottom end of the list in terms of the interest well, from the press. So funnily enough, organisational design, I can't remember for sure, but I think it was like third place in the last report. And that was because there was so much talk of COVID 
COVID that organizations were trying to figure out how they were going to design their new work styles. So, um, and then all of the kind of the, the elements of that as well just was became a very, very big t- topic of conversation, a huge issue. So I, it, to answer your question, I'm not sure I can predict anything. I mean, <laughs> nobody a few years ago was going to a, a, a predict a global pandemic. We didn't know there was going to be a war in Ukraine that was going to have such a huge impact on, on global employment. Um, I, I actually don't want to hazard a guess. <laughs> There's been so many bad things. But what's really interesting is that the economy, what's going on in the world has a massive impact on the workplace. And at the end of the day, this market is endlessly fascinating because it's people at work. So I think we'll always be talking. I think those categories will all stay pretty similar. Employer Mm. regulations, talent, health and well-being, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. DEI is another really important one as well. Top five, both reports. But predicting is hard because I think it depends what's happening in the world because it does have an impact on employers and employees. Yeah, certainly. I think, I mean, my personal opinion, just through conversations that I've had, I think talent is going to continue to be an issue for the foreseeable future. I think finding talent pools, we're hearing lots of organisations talk about how do we tap into the talent, you know, the the talent pools that we have internally, you know, talent management systems or the, the approach to talent management. How do we get better at leveraging the data that we've got to find good people? You know, the answer isn't always just go external, spend more money and inflate prices. So I think talent is going to be an interesting I, I totally agree. I, I, whether it's going to be the second place in the, the kind of the ranking, again, I'm not entirely sure, but talent is just such a huge problem with whether, you know, for employers, whether they've got, so we've talked about workforce planning as well, you know, that so many mm-hmm companies have made redundancies, but yet so many of those companies are still hiring because they need new types of staff so and new types of skills. So it, it, talent is a massive issue for employers. Yeah. And I thought linked to obviously talent is, of course, that pay question. And I thought the bit around pay in some of the report that you talk about was quite interesting. Like there was a piece on obviously salary transparency of the pay articles, 4.9% said transparency was one of the elements which I thought was interesting. So can you just can you just give me a little bit more flavor around some of those questions, some of those articles that came out around that pay? Because it's quite yeah. a um, emotive topic, isn't it? It really is. And and it jumped high in this report. So in the last report two years ago, it was just under 10% of articles, news articles. And this time it was nearly 15% of news articles. But most of that was around the market or the economy again. So like I said earlier, cost of living, pay rates, strikes, pay gaps, all of those different things. So salary transparency was just below that, but it was actually quite low, as you say, 4.9%. If you put salary transparency and pay gaps together, then there's quite a big jump. That jumps up to oh, about kind of 17%, something along those lines. So you can see mm-hmm. where that becomes more significant. So and, and also in this year's report, we actually broke down the categories into a lot more infinite levels. So, yeah. so it, it might be impacted by that. Saying that, Last year or last report, salary transparency was barely mentioned at all. So it has jumped up, just not as high as you might expect. Yeah, and it's interesting, like like we said, like you talked about the importance of DNI. You know, that's 
becoming more and more prevalent in terms of interest that it's having internally within business. And I feel like with within the press, certainly we're seeing more of it, so, which is why I was a bit like quite interesting that it was uh, it was quite low. We're coming towards the end of the podcast, but I wanted to get your take on anything, any bits that I've kind of missed, because I've only, what I wanted to do is just pick out a couple of the interesting bits that I found uh, from the report. And of course, we'll put the report in the show notes and I'll direct you towards Kay and her team. So that if you've got any more questions that you can, but any kind of final bits from your perspective where you think, oh, that was quite interesting. I think it's all, the subjects all stay fair fairly similar. But what's really interesting is to see how they jostle around and that actually, yes, there's been some new topics of conversation in the last two years. I think we're actually going to do this report annually now because it has been so interesting. But for instance, two years ago, women's health, menopause, not not even a, a thing. Now it's 13%, I think, of health and well-being topics. So it's jumped into employers' conscience in a big way. So I think the topic, so health and well-being is always going to be really important. Where it is in the ranking, I'm not sure in the future, but there will be other things. You know, I think men's health, neurodiversity, those sorts of things will come out very strongly in future reports as well. Because we're, I think as employers, we're getting more enlightened and we need to talk about these topics and bring them out into the into the open. Yeah, exactly. And on our podcast, we've had a few, for example, in the well-being section, financial well-being came out as 5.9%. I thought that was interesting because in terms of what we are being told employers are looking at is things like, you know, financial well-being. How do we help to support our people? There's lots of talk around these apps that you're getting from like these pay providers, which is pay on demand type stuff and things like that. But the mental well-being side, I think that was really fascinating that that took such a big chunk. And it makes sense, yeah. doesn't it? it? It total sense. So we found that 64% of all health and well-being articles were all about what employees are experiencing. Experiencing. So it's the financial climate, uh, climate, sorry, burnout, workplace culture. So, you know, massive amounts about employee experience. But then also 35% of articles are discussing mental well-being. So it, it's it's just enormous. And, and what you find is mental well-being weaves through everything. It, like you say, the financial situation specifically and particularly. So it's really important topic of conversation. It, it, it won't, I don't think it'll change. It will just, the dynamic dynamics of how we talk about it will change. Yeah, certainly. Well, listen, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on just to get a bit of a flavour, a bit of an overview as to what's happening in the in the HR market, in the press. Some really, really fantastic insights in the report itself. Definitely worth a listen, definitely worth a read even and a download. Um, hey, where can people find you on the socials if they want to reach out? So we are PR and HR on Twitter and uh, you can reach me at Kay Phelps on LinkedIn. So Lovely job, and the website is PR and HR, so we're we're nice and easy to find. Very easy to find indeed, and I can't recommend Kay and her team highly enough. Thank you very much, obviously, for to Kay for being my guest on today's show. You can, of course, find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Spotify. We're on everything. <laughs> if you've got any suggestions for topics that you'd like to include, we are also all ears. So it'd be really, really great to hear from any of our listeners. And if you are, if you've got a soapbox, 
that you want to step on and join us on the HR on the Offensive podcast, then just reach out to myself or any of the members of the LACE team. You can also see our back catalogue of podcasts on lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. That's it from me today. Once again, thank you very, very much to Kay for joining me. Pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to have you on, Kay. We'll get you on again. Not, We'll not wait until 2025 or 2024 <laughs> to go through the next trends. Maybe we'll get you on a soapbox sometime in the near future. Perfect. All right. You take care. You take care too. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Bye-bye.